Good afternoon and welcome to Forest Fires. My name is John Clark. The world that we live in celebrates independence. We look at certain authors and celebrities that are loners and we see them as romantic and exotic. Brene Brown once stated, one of the greatest barriers to connection is the cultural importance that we place on going it alone. Somehow, we've come to equate success with not needing anyone. From personal experience, I know that many of my peers in recovery, they struggle with asking for help. Even those that have been practicing the principles of their recovery for a long time and doing it well, they often find themselves unable to utter that simple, but all too heavy four letter word, help. Many of those same people that struggle to ask for help, they're the first to give help to others. I've learned that some of the most caring and giving people on this planet have the worst histories, and they exist sometimes within the confines of the 12-step rooms. Part of the reason that we struggle to ask for help is that the world that we live in has equated asking for help or needing help with weakness. The truth is, every single person that you come in contact with, every person that you encounter, they all need help, even if they're not willing to ask for it. Another part of the equation is that many of us have had our view of the world manipulated by traumatic events or by trauma itself. The reality is that extreme independence is a trauma response. Perhaps at some point in your life, your trust was violated. Someone that you depended upon, they let you down or someone that should have protected you, they hurt you or let you get hurt. Regardless of the cause of your trauma, many of us have had our perception of relationships poisoned by the actions or the inactions of someone long ago. Many of us believe that we have always been this way, that we've always been hyper-independent, that we've always gone our own way that we've always been distrustful of other people and their means and methods. The reality is, at some point in your life, someone or some event taught you to depend upon no one but yourself because nobody else could be trusted. When we depend upon no one but ourselves, no one else can let us down. No one else can abandon us. And no one can hurt us. Or at least that's what we convince ourselves of. The problem, of course, is that this type of thinking, it creates self-fulfilling prophecies. We continue to be alone because we continue to push people away. We continue to carry more weight than we can bear because we're unwilling to depend upon anyone else or to trust them with it. And we don't trust other people because we never give them the opportunity to be trustworthy. Growing up, whether I was explicitly told this or I just perceived it, I came to believe that asking for help was a sign of weakness. My dad told me stories of his generation and never once in those stories did anyone ask for help 
or did they need to lean on anyone but themselves? What I didn't realize during those formative years when my dad was telling me these stories was that the world that my dad was talking about was from the Great Depression in the 1930s. Those strong, independent, and self-sufficient people of the quote-unquote greatest generation, those people that he talked about, they did need help. And thankfully, they got it. Organizations like the TVA and the Civilian Conservation Corps and the Works Progress Administration, they took people from starvation and desperation, and they put people to work all over this country. Just because they were willing to work hard, it didn't mean that they didn't need help. They were desperately in need of it, and thankfully they got it. But that nuance of my dad's conversation, I missed at that age. Instead, I grew up to believe that for me to be a man, I had to be self-made, whatever that phrase even means. That I had to be independent, emotionally distant, and absolutely self-sufficient. Now, not everything that I was taught was bad. Independence is good, up to a point. Self-sufficiency, it's a wonderful trait to possess, but again, up to a point. Being willing to be alone, well, that's an attribute, unless, of course, the desire to be alone is simply to avoid the pain that are the natural risks of any and all relationships. The point is that independence is, or at least can be, a good thing, until or unless we take it to an extreme. As indicated earlier, hyperindependence is a trauma response, and it's intended to protect us from any potential harm that might befall us. How often have you heard the phrase, fake it until you make it? I've even heard that phrase used in the 12-step rooms. And to be honest with you, it's absolute garbage. The concept of faking it until we make it, it's an exercise in self-dishonesty and dishonesty to others. When we fake it till we make it, we pretend to have things under control, even though we don't. We pretend to be in control so that we don't have to ask for help, or better yet, so that we don't have to be vulnerable enough to admit that we need help. This type of behavior doesn't lead us anywhere near a lasting or a sustainable recovery, but rather it pulls us far into a relapse potential, and it takes us far away from the life that we truly want. Not one person in the history of forever has ever found real or lasting recovery in the 12-step rooms without first asking for help and then giving it. Help, that's the entire basis of the 12-step. Yet, so many of us in the rooms, even those that have worked the steps and proclaimed to know them and be good in our recovery, we still struggle with the concept of asking for help. And by other people, I mean me. I, just like many of you, struggle to ask for help. While I can only speak for myself, I like to categorize what I am and what I'm not willing to ask help for. In most cases, I'm willing to ask for help with what I consider to be a recovery-related topic or an idea. But when it comes down to talking about my personal relationships, my finances, or even my work life, that's off the table. That's none of your business. And I guess from the way that I was raised, Asking for help relative to it means that I fail or that I'm somehow weak. 
Now, mind you, I just said that I'm willing to ask for help with things that are recovery related. Are my relationships, my finances, and my work not part of my recovery? As I sit here and prepare for this podcast, I realize how silly my categorizations have been, but they exist, or at least they have existed. Recently, I've struggled with a number of personal and financial issues, but all that time, I kept them to myself. I failed to talk about them with members of my recovery community, and I failed to ask for help. Why? Regardless of what any of you might think about me or what you might think about this podcast, whether you like my suggestions or not, I, like you, struggle to put this program of recovery into practice every single day. I'm far better now than I used to be, but honestly, that's a pretty low bar, and I still have miles to go. I am forever grateful that this is a program of progress and not perfection. Because if perfection were required, I would be an absolute failure. One of the things that I and you have to do is we have to get over the bullshit belief that needing or asking for help is somehow a sign of weakness, a sign of inability, or even a sign of failure. Needing help, asking for help, or even accepting help, it isn't a sign of weakness. If anything, it's a sign that we're human. The phrase self-made, it's one of the biggest BS phrases that exists in the English language. And that's saying a lot because there are a lot of nonsensical words and phrases within that language. Self-made is a phrase that signifies that we did it ourselves, that our success is our own. You hear it used a lot in business and in money situations. So-and-so individual is a self-made millionaire, or so-and-so is a self-made business owner, or so-and-so is self-made this or self-made that. The truth is, not one person on this planet is a self-made anything. Even if no one physically helped you, the neglect that that person gave you, that helped to form you, and it helped to inspire in you some goal or some idea. The vast majority of us regardless of our individual successes, we've had countless other people that were involved. Professional athletes often perform amazing feats on their respective playing fields. And while they have personal stats and personal success stories, not one of them made it to that echelon without the guidance, direction, or influence of someone or a lot of someone's. I remember when I went to law school that I had a huge chip on my shoulder because one of the schools that I'd wanted to get into, they'd rejected me. So I decided that I was going to show them. I was going to graduate first in my class. Now, I didn't graduate first in my class, and regardless of where I did graduate, the point is that I couldn't have graduated, or I couldn't have even gone to law school without a litany of other people. My wife at the time, she helped me to maintain a home and to raise our son. This allowed me to have the time to go to law school. My professors that I'd had in college, they taught me what I needed to know to even appear competent to get into law school. My dad, even though he may not have intended to do so, maybe he wasn't dad of the year, he did frame my view of the world and he helped me to be a better law student. 
The point is that everyone that we come in contact with, they help us. Even if they're not directly helping us, they help us. The concept of being independent or self-made, it's a false sense of security. It's based upon the concept that if we don't have to depend on anyone, no one can let us down. But I don't know about you, but the person that has let me down the most in this life is the guy that's working on this podcast right now. Isolating from other people and becoming hyper-independent, it doesn't protect us from harm or insulate us from getting hurt. But what it does is keep us from developing meaningful and lasting relationships with other people. While extreme independence is a trauma response, it's also an indication that our ego is out of control. Every single time that you've said or believed that no one but you is capable of doing your job, your ego has been in rare form. How many times have you not asked for help simply because you're convinced that someone else would just mess up what it is that you're doing and then you would have to do double work? Regardless of what your job or your task might be, in most cases, you're not the only person on the face of this planet that can do it. Of course, no one but you can put your unique spin on it, but that doesn't mean that you're the only one that can do the job. Therefore, being able to ask for help, it means that we have to put our ego in check. In other words, we have to get humble. Every time before I leave work for a vacation or take any time off, I always seem to go into a hyper frenzy, trying to make sure that everything I do is just right. Because if I don't, a patient that I deal with, they're not going to get what they need or something is going to get missed. The reality is that the treatment facility that I work at, it's existed for more than 60 odd years. It existed before me, and it's going to exist after me. So the fact is what I do isn't all that important, at least not in the grand scheme of things. Many of us, myself included, we become so hyper fixated on what we need to do that we fail to realize that there are a number of things that could help us if we were only humble enough to ask for that help. Another thing that makes asking for help difficult for many of us is that it opens us up and it makes us vulnerable. For many of us, vulnerability is something that we simply cannot tolerate within ourselves. Asking for help, it means that we're inviting another person into our closed personal circle, a circle that's been closed because perhaps someone at some time hurt us and we don't ever want to be hurt again. Letting someone in, asking for, and then accepting help, it isn't a sign of weakness, but rather it's one of the clearest and most abundant signs of strength and courage that I can think of. Being willing to allow another person into your life after you've been hurt, that requires a level of courage that most people will never be able to muster. They will let people in at an arm's length, but never fully, because letting them in too close, well, that exposes them to potential harm. The fact is, as a human being, you need connection. We crave it. Connection is as much a part of being a human being 
as is our need for oxygen or water. The same way that denying our bodies oxygen and or water is a recipe for our death or demise, so is denying ourselves the opportunity for real, lasting, and substantial human connection. Those of us that exhibit extreme independent behaviors, we often do so in an effort to keep ourselves safe from harm that we perceive can come from any direction. Whether you want to admit it or not, at some point in your life, each and every one of us have been the victim of someone else's behaviors. Someone, somewhere, at some point, they've hurt you or they've let you down. Because of that, it becomes easy to develop the belief that we can't rely on anybody else outside of ourselves. We don't ever want to feel that pain again. So we protect ourselves by believing that we can walk this earth without the help of other people. But guess what? You can't. I can't. None of us can. I mean, that is, if you want to live a life that's filled with love, gratitude, and actual real authenticity. Extreme independence, it gives us a delusional sense of safety. When in reality, what we're doing is hiding behind our own fear. It's time that you started forgiving those people in your life that hurt you. Not because they deserve it. In many cases, they don't deserve it. But because you deserve to be free from the trauma responses and the defense mechanisms that you develop because of their behaviors. It's time to start asking for help when you need it. And it's time that you started accepting that help that others so generously keep offering you. In my experience, the injuries that lasted the longest for me, those that took the longest to heal, were the ones that I neglected and the ones that I refused to acknowledge even existed. When I became willing to acknowledge that I had pain and that I had injuries, I was shocked to realize that others were willing to help me to heal. When we can humbly expose our wounds, when we can begin to learn that others before us have sustained similar injuries and that we're not alone in our pain, when we can start to humbly ask for help, ask for guidance, and when we can ask for direction, we open ourselves up to the healing hands of a community of love. The recovery community is one of the kindest and most generous, caring and giving communities I've ever had the opportunity to know. Take advantage of it. Become a part of it. If your old ways are no longer serving you, perhaps it's time to open yourself up to a new way of thinking. Perhaps it's time to ask for help and then to accept that help that's offered. Perhaps it's time that we change our perspective on what it means to need help and realize that asking for help isn't a sign of weakness, but rather a sign of strength and immense courage. Thank you for tuning into the Forest Fires podcast. I am consistently amazed by the kindness of my listeners and the recovery community as a whole. Keep reaching out to each other. Keep asking for help and keep helping those that seek it. Maybe even help those that are still struggling to find the courage to ask for that help. Continue to build a community of kindness, love, and recovery. Continue being a light in the darkness for all of those that continue to struggle with this horrible and debilitating disease. 
And as always, stay reachable, stay teachable, and stay humble. Thank you.